Good morning, Grace Life. So good to be here. Uh, so thankful to the Lord for an opportunity to share the Word of God with you. And um, 45 years, uh, it's amazing, um, especially considering the fact that I'm only 50 years of age. Uh, it is good to be here and um, love your pastor, um, Jimmy, Mona, particularly thankful for uh, Eric and Lonnie Schultz and their kids. Again, it's just uh, great to be here. Now, I, I wanted to say this at church meeting like this and, and Kent and Lane and all, all the different ones, uh, I value relationships and that's really kind of out of that that I'll be sharing with you this morning. I've pastored for years and uh, we've done a lot of things, uh, but what is the enduring value of what we do together? And so I wanna, I wanna talk to you about that uh, this morning for, for just a few minutes. A key verse that we'll begin and, and launch out of is uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. So uh, let me read that to you. And it, it says this, God is faithful. God is faithful. How many of you appreciate the fact that God is faithful? Anybody, you with me? God is faithful for what? By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I wanna to talk to you about fellowship, community, particularly, and, and what that means. And please note in this verse, we are called into the fellowship and the fellowship is primarily, primarily a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so at, at the very beginning, we're gonna talk about the, the, the relationship laterally between people and all that, and that's gonna be a central to my message. But I want to, to lay the foundation first to say to you that the most important relationship in your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Does anybody believe that? Are you with me? And Jesus invites you into a heart-to-heart -heart relationship with him. He is the answer. He is the key. He holds everything for you. Knowing him is so, so, so foundational and, and important. So earlier this year, uh, the U.S. Surgeon General, May 6th, as a matter of fact, released an 85-page health advisory about a new public health epidemic in America. Are you ready for another health epidemic? Good gracious. Another one. This is not, however, a virus like COVID-19. It is not an environmental issue. It's not some chemical substance that's invaded our food. It is an epidemic, according to him, of loneliness. Loneliness. He calls it an emergency, a health emergency. Let me quote from his report. The epidemic, this epidemic was heightened certainly by the experience of COVID-19 and it's actually, but it's actually a longer range problem that is bringing devastating health consequences. Again, he calls it an emergency. An emergency by definition is if we don't do something about this, something tragically bad is gonna happen. And I must admit that when I first heard this, I was a little surprised, but then as I look around in our, our culture, 
I realize that uh, we have fast, and, and I'm not talking necessarily about the church, but hey, look, this invades the church too. We have fast become a, a nation of strangers. Sense of community has become harder and harder to find and to keep. And we as the church, Jesus is the answer to every ail the, the, the world has. Do you believe that? I believe that. And so we should be a community that answers the very need that the Surgeon General is, is talking about here. There is a sense in which we are perhaps the most connected generation that's ever lived. And, and we're thinking particularly about things like uh, the internet and Facebook and all that and, and social media. Uh, so we're connected but we're also the loneliest and most isolated generation that's ever lived on, the pla on, the, on this planet. There's a number of reasons for that. Um, uh, not just the fact that uh, COVID-19 or the internet has shown up. This has been, as the Surgeon General says, it started long before then. Uh, and it really has to do with the, the pace of life that we're keeping, uh, such things as the fact that I uh, used to be, whenever I was a, a kid, uh, way back about 1850, uh, when I was a child, we didn't have air conditioning and, and we had front porches. We had rocking chairs and we had evenings in which you would go out and just visit with your neighbors. There was a time whenever, uh, believe it or not, there was a time whenever you needed a, a cup of sugar, you went next door and asked the neighbor for it. You do that now and they think you're nuts. There was a time when you could drop in on somebody and have supper with them. Is that right? Well, you do that now and they say, uh, that, that, that's very rude. I want you to know Jesus is a communal type guy. Think about this. He's the kind of guy that could walk into a town and say to a guy, hey, look, hey, just met you. I'm eating at your, eating at your house tonight. Zacchaeus, remember that? What do you think Zacchaeus said? Good gracious. No, they, they, were, he was, they were communal and, and, and history's been that way. We lived in villages and we knew each other. Now we are a nation of strangers. The Bible, uh, the, the, the social scientists, not the Bible, but social scientists say that um, each of us has a capacity generally for about 150 people we would know by name. Now that's a subjective estimation, I suppose, but 150, think about it. How many people do you know and recognize and can call them by name? That's maybe all you know about them, but they, they say that there's about 150 people that you can remember their names. Anybody here ever have trouble remembering names? One or two, okay. About 150, and you know, there are those um, strange individuals who can remember hundreds of names and uh, a thousand names, and I want you to know if you're one of those that we truly hate you. <laughs> Within the 150, there are 50 friends in a very general sense of the word. We'd call these acquaintances. You know a little bit about them, but not much more than that. Within the 50, there are 15 Again, social scientists would say that, we, that you would, would say are, are more of the people that you live with, that you interact with on a regular basis. 
Now, usually it stops right there from, from most people. Then there are, are, is a lower level or a deeper level, and this would be two to five that you would call your closest friends. Now, what is a close friend? A close friend is, is one that you are, they're your confidants. They're people that you can, can be yourself with. Let's, give, let's put some names on this. Uh, and uh, if you're taking notes, 150 uh, would be the people that you see about every six months or a year. And you know them by name. You recognize them. They know your name. And you'd call these name-to-name people. You don't know much more than that about them. Uh, within that, there's the 50 people that uh, you have regular contact with them. Perhaps they're your coworkers, maybe even church members. They might be your neighbors and you know where, you know where they live. They know some, you know something about them. Maybe the car they drive, and we would call these house-to-house relationships. And the 15 are those you interact with, and you have learned to know them better, and you'd call those face-to-face relationships. But then the two to five are the confidants. We'll call those heart-to-heart relationships. These are the people that when you're around them and you say, how are you doing? And they say, I'm doing fine. They say, no, I know you better than that. I can tell. You know something about this person and these are heart to heart relationships. Now, Jesus is the answer to the loneliness epidemic. I invite you into a relationship with Jesus That's the beginning. If you don't do that, you can't do anything else. Nothing else will work uh, as it should. But after him, as you get to know him, he is going to lead you. God says he will lead you into relationships that can enrich your life and fulfill your life. And you will find levels of friendship and, and community that God promises in his word. So what the scripture says, Genesis 2, 18, right at the very beginning, then the Lord God said, it is not good. You know what it, what it says. It's not good for them into what? To be alone. Now, up until this point, he's been saying, everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's good. He created the stars. He created the elephants. He created everything. And it was good. And then he says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, again, we all look at that, and, and rightly so, and, and say, God will make you a companion, a, a husband or a wife. I will make you. But let's, let's broaden it out. What, what if you're not married? And, and what, what is this, what, what's the underpinnings of this? God says this, it's not good for you to be alone. I will provide an answer for that. I will provide a relationship for that. I see your condition, and I will give you an answer. He's going to lead you into that. Now, once again, you might say, well, say, well, all I need is Jesus. All I need is a relationship with God. I cannot emphasize again to you how important that is. Yes, but once you have gotten to know him, he's going to lead you into brothers and sisters and into relationships and into what the Bible calls community. Now, as I say this, there may be some of you who are getting a little uneasy right now. Do we have any introverts here that didn't even raise their hand? That, you, go, that's... you say, uh, you know, I, I don't need people. I like, I like my alone time. 
Anybody here like alone time? I like alone time. Alone time's fine. I, I like to be alone and uh, I like to be able to think and I like to read and, 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 and just give me uh, a little time by myself and I'm, 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 I can be happy with that. But there's a difference, folks, between alone and isolated. The disease comes when you get isolated, when you are cut off. The devil's, one of his primary strategies is to cut you out cut you out from the herd, cut you out from the, from the flock, cut you out from people. And when he gets you off by yourself, then he can pile drive you. And it's happening at epidemic levels. There are people, perhaps around you right now, who are hurting on the inside and isolated and not able to talk. They're certainly in your neighborhood. And you say, they just ought to open up. If folks, this is what we're here. This is the church. We are the church. We should be the place where people can come and be themselves and open up and not be afraid and know that they are forgiven and accepted the way they are. Do you believe that? There, was a, there are a couple of studies were done uh, uh, several years ago. 1990 and 2021. And let me summarize these very quickly. And now look, I've just got to say this, that, that this aloneness and isolation problem uh, hits all of us. But it will hit the ladies first. It'll hit the ladies. They'll feel, nobody knows me. Nobody cares. Nobody calls anymore. Now, for guys, you know, we're, we're kind of rough. We're tough. We don't need anybody, right? So you say, the guy needs somebody? You say, no, I don't, I don't need anybody. Well, let me tell you what. Men are liars. Do you hear me? You say you don't need anybody. You are lying, and you know it. You want buddies. Just read not long ago, again. Anybody remember Band of Brothers? the book and the series. There's a camaraderie that happens among men when they fight together and they bleed together and they die together. That men sometimes, they join that for the camaraderie as much as for anything else. We want to shoulder up. We want to be a part of something. We don't want to be alone. Studies that were done, 1990, 2021. And, and the end result, I'll just try to summarize this, uh, that um, uh, in, in 2021, 15% of all men say that they have no close friends. 15% say that they have no close friends. Now, what, what, what do you call a close friend? And a close friend is, is basically uh, something that, that you feel like you need. But see, a lot of guys aren't even open to the possibility of a close friend. So you got to know that that 15% is a lot higher than that. that that's up uh, from, from previous years. Only 3% said they had no close friend back in 1990. Uh, in, in, in 2021, a uh, survey of young men, young men, young men. Now, young men, uh, you, you tend to think, well, they're going to be social. They're going to be outward. Well, 
the, the question was asked, uh, do you have anybody that you can lean on during tough times? Anybody you can lean on during tough times. Back in 1990, 50% said, yeah, I do. Today, it's 22%. Now, let me translate that. 78% had nobody. Now, I got I to gotta go back to the, the loneliness thing and try to explain it to you a little bit more. When he says this is a health epidemic, what are we talking about? I mean, what, what's going to happen to people? What, what goes on with people when you say there's a health epidemic? And we're not talking about necessarily suicide. What we're talking about is the isolation that gets you alone by yourself and nobody knows what's going on with you and you turn in on yourself and it has all kinds of health implications for you and people die on the inside. They lose the will to live. It, it affects their, 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 their heart rate and blood pressure and all kinds of things start going wacky in their, their body and they don't eat right. And before long, you realize that person has isolated themselves away and now they've gotten sick and they're gone. They're gone prematurely. That's the epidemic. And folks... There's people around you like that right now. Jesus is the answer. And Jesus not only is the direct answer to them, but he's gonna use you to meet them. There's a little novel written by John Steinbeck. Anybody remember John Steinbeck, the California writer? Um, and uh, the, the little book was called Of Mice and Men. Anybody remember Of Mice and Men? Maybe you saw the movie and read the book. It's about two, two farmhands in California, Lenny and George, and uh, they have another friend there in the, in the little farm named Crooks. Crooks uh, is, is able to help some, but he's, but he's had a broken back, and his name is kind of indicative of who he is. Crooks. Crooks t says this at one point in the novel. A guy needs somebody to be near him. A guy goes nuts if he ain't got nobody. I tell you, a guy gets too lonely, he gets sick. Crooks just virtually referred to and quoted what Dr. Murtha said earlier this year. You get too isolated, you get sick. Again, Jesus promises the cure. And it's not just the inward sense of acceptance by him, as primary as that is. It is also the sense that I am not only loved by him, but I'm loved by people. We need that. Many scriptures, John 14, 18. Uh, Jesus, in his promise, he says this, I will not leave you as orphans. Another translation, I will not leave you fatherless. I will not abandon you. Anybody here ever felt... Abandoned? Psalm 68, 6. God sets the solitary in family. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. I said, he sets the solitary in families, and he brings those who are bound into prosperity. The, the, the juxtaposition here is on one side is, is a family and a home and a community, and the other side is a prison. And there are many people 
who are in the prison by themselves. And he says, I'll set you free. Let me go back to the original verse that I started with in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful by whom you were called into a fellowship. Uh, this word fellowship, fellowship. There's the Old Testament word and the New Testament word. The Old Testament word uh, is, uh, the word, there's two of them actually, sod and yasod. Sod and yasod. Say sod with me, sod. Yasod, say that. What do they mean? Sod, interestingly enough, has to do with private counsel. Secret counsel. You say, that's, that's kind of interesting. Well, well let me, I'll, I'll come back to that in just a moment, but secret counsel, secret counsel. Yasod means to establish together. One of, the, one of the privileges that I have as a, as a teacher in Manning University, and I teach many different courses, but they'll write papers. And, and uh, I have actually uh, enjoyed reading some of the papers because they instruct me, and that's good. Uh, one student wrote actually a paper on the word fellowship, and, and here, here was his words. Let me, let me read them to you. With all this explained, we... Uh, when we consider the word fellowship in the Old Testament, it always applies, implies the issuing of counsel or experiencing intimate friendship with another person, down to its core. That is what fellowship does. It is not merely the gathering of people, uh, there, and, and, and there is a deeper activity happening there. There is an exchange of instruction that it takes place so that when two or more persons go their separate ways, after being together, they leave one another changed and informed. Now, let me try to explain that a little bit further. What that means is that we get together, and we're sharing, and we're talking, and we're interacting with each other, and somehow something that's down inside of me gets inside of you. Something inside of you gets inside of me. And we hear each other. So, with that in mind, one of the times that God has changed your life the most, and I'll tell you about myself. Look, I do appreciate great preaching like you are getting right now. And I appreciate great music like you just heard few minutes ago. Everybody appreciate the music. It's all great, fantastic, wonderful. But let me tell you something. And I've been changed. I, yeah, I've been impacted. Yes, that's great. But let me tell you the times that have changed my life the most. It's when I sat in a living room with somebody and they were pouring their heart out and something inside of me rose up and I reached out with the word of God to them and they heard it and they reached out from their heart to me and we heard each other and we left changed people. It's the times whenever I sat across from somebody over a cup of coffee and that man would say to me, What's really going on in his heart? And you know, it's a funny thing that happens with people. Every one of you, every one of you said, if I really open up, people will not like me. But let me tell you, when you open your heart to someone, 
they will say to you, I've never felt closer to you. Is that right? Y'all have gotten real quiet on me here. <laughs> Are you breathing? There's been the times in my life, and I do appreciate counsel. I, I appreciate the words that have been given to me, but there's the times whenever I was so angry that I wanted to go punch somebody out. And I'm so thankful I had a friend who could sit down with me and say, Bob, cool down before you do something stupid. I am so thankful in the days and the moments whenever I said, I'm quitting, I'm just done, I can't go on anymore, that somebody would grab me by the hand or by the shoulder and say, hang in there, brother, it's gonna be okay, there's a future for you, don't give up. I'm so glad that I had somebody that could speak into my life. That has changed my life. That has, I am here today because somebody did that for me. And I dare say, you are here today because somebody loved you. Somebody stood with you. Now, now the, the New Testament word for fellowship is, is koinonia. Koinonia. Say that with me, koinonia. It comes from the Greek, uh, the, the, the Greek original word koine, which, which means to just have in common. It seems very simple, just to have in common. But, but to have in common, have in common what? Well, you could say, well, uh, just commodities. But to have in common, we have something more in common than just things. We have a relationship with God and a relationship with each other, and we share in something called a shared life. That's what we are, folks. That is the church. That's not something that we're trying to, to become. That's what we are. We are a shared life. Now, back in that verse, what is it truly that we share? Well, it says right here, called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. What is that? The fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word into is the key word there. We're called into something. We're, we, we, that means that there is an objective that we are pulled into, that we are headed toward. Now, there's a, philosophically, there's a concept called ends and means. We have any philosophers here? Ends and means, you probably heard it in business. Ends and means. What's an end? An end is... Something that has value because of itself. It is an end unto itself. It doesn't have to do anything else. It stands on its own. The means, however, is that which gets you to the end. And are you following me here? And the means only has significance or value in that it produces the end. If you don't have the end, the means is useless. Now, what are we after here? What, what are we about as the church? What are, we, what are we really here for? Are we here for just numbers and fun and beauty and all that? All those are things are, are byproducts. But let me tell you what, even this preaching I'm doing right now, even the worship, it is designed to lead you to something. What is it to lead you to? It is to lead you to, into a communion. A fellowship. Is it possible for you to come here 
for years on end and never know anybody. Hello. Yes, it is. Is it possible for you to come here and never have a relationship with Jesus? Yes, it's possible. We will have failed if that's the case. Even though we might have done all kinds of wonderful works, the end is a relationship with God and with each other. Now, let me go a little bit further with that. It says the fellowship uh, with Jesus Christ and, and uh, with Jesus Christ. And so what, what we're really talking about is a community that we are invited into. There's an original community. There's an, religion, an, an original fellowship or koinonia. And what is that? That is taking place right now between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, once again, Trinity. I understand. I, look, I teach theology. Kids been in part of my class. We, uh, there's things, I know it hurts my brain too. But God himself is a community. How can it be one and a community? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now I gotta ask you something. Do you, do you think God enjoys himself? That's a funny way of saying it, perhaps. You think God's, God's doing okay? Uh, do you, anybody think God's worried today? Is God joyful? Is God peaceful? Hey folks, if he's in trouble, we're really in trouble. God's doing great today. As a matter of fact, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the heavens rejoice. There's joy and peace at the God. As a matter of fact, creation is a result of that. I, I don't think God was up there and said, you know, I'm really lonely. I think I'll make people. I don't think he did it. I think what he said was, this is so great. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're having such a great time. Let's, let's overflow. Bam, here we are. And we were created to have fellowship with God. And it is eternal. We can call it what we want. We can call it heaven. We can call it whatever. But, fun, but listen to me, it is fun. Anybody here like having fun? What is it? Anybody here like having fun? We're invited into that. That's the objective. Let me read a further scripture on that. 1 John 1, 1 through 4, and this explains it even further. That which was from the beginning, John writes, uh, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was manifested. What life? The life that is God himself. The life was manifested. We've seen it. We testified. We proclaimed it. Eternal life that was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that you may have fellowship with us. It is the fellowship of the Godhead that arrives on earth and it's called the church. Indeed, our fellowship was with the Father his son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that your joy may be complete. Jesus prayed for this in John 17. He said, Father, the glory that we've enjoyed, let them have some of it. Let them, let them enter into it. Let me read further, 1 John 1, 5 through 9. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light 
and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. What is he talking about here? Let me read on. But if we walk in the light, she is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I have three points and I'll be through. When he talks here about walking in the light or walking in darkness, what are we talking about here? Darkness happens whenever a wall comes up. What do I mean by that? Anybody here ever had someone, maybe a friend, that offended you? And you didn't say anything? What happens to that friendship? A wall comes up. Keeps getting bigger. Until finally you address it. Then the wall comes down. There are people... The walls have built so high around them that they walk in darkness. I know Jesus is their life and their light and they are forgiven, but they are not clean. They're carrying all kinds of junk. If we confess our sins, walk in the light, he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Three things, let me give them to you. Fellowship helps. I can almost hear it right now. Some, some of you might be saying, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. Any busy people here? A few of you are busy. You don't have time not to do it. It helps you. Two are better than one, the Bible says, because they have a good reward for their toil. Now, number two is a little harder. Fellowship hurts. What do I mean by fellowship hurts? Well, uh, I dare say some of you have probably at times opened up. Anybody ever opened up to somebody and it didn't go good? You say, I'll never do that again. I plead with you in the name of Jesus, do not let the devil trap you into isolation. Find in Jesus relationships that can be healing for you. He will provide that for you. Last thing, and I'll end with this, fellowship heals. Relationships can hurt, but fellowship can heal. If you'll walk with him, you will become stronger than ever before. You will not be sick. You will have enough health in you to to provide it for a, a world that has gone sick. End with a story from the Lord of the Rings. Anybody remember the Lord of the Rings? Great Great uh, epic story, three parts. The first book in that, uh, if you will remember, is called The Fellowship of the Ring. First movie, Fellowship of the Ring. What was the Fellowship of the Ring? And it was a, a coalition that had gathered together to endeavor to overthrow, to pull down the Dark Lord against evil. And this group was diverse as it could be. Uh, physiologically, temperamentally, in every way, they could not ever by themselves get along. And, 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 and they, were, they were called to walk together. There's a scene in the book that did not go into the movie. And it is that early on, a 
conflict developed between them in an argument and it elevated it elevated to the point that actually axes were drawn, bows were bent, harsh words were spoken, and it almost ended. This great journey before it even hardly started. After peace had come, after it had been brought down to peace, Gandalf, the wise one, said this, Indeed, in nothing is the power of the dark Lord more clearly shown than in the estrangement that divides all those who oppose him. Satan hates the way you love one another. He hates the way you open up. He wants the darkness. So let's be a force for light and for love and for fellowship. You with me? You with me, folks? Let me pray with you. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you now to continue to, to complete and build that which you are doing in this church of people united together, diverse and different and only you could do this. But I pray for the individual right now. Feels very isolated and untrusting, cynical and suspicious. Lord, would you, would you get into that room with them and help them to get out only by the power of your spirit and your word in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Primary, above all, is your relationship with Jesus. Are you close to Him? Have you drifted away from Him? Do you want to come back? Perhaps you've never known Him before. You've never really asked Him. You've never taken the step. I want to invite you, sir, and you, ma'am, to a relationship with Jesus today. If you want to pray today to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Would you lift your hand so that I can see it and pray for you? Would you do that, please? Just, I see hands. I see hands, yes. Yes, I see that. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're drawing people. I'm gonna lead you in prayer right now. And I'd like everybody to pray this, everybody to pray this, because this is so important. Would you say these words, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I'm coming to you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I want friendship with you. Lead me into friendship with people. I want to walk with you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen.